0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. The Lord of God says that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. As we lift Him up, as we worship Him, what does inhabit mean? He comes and dwells right here and he's right here to meet with us. There are needs in this room today. Who has a physical need? They need God to heal. Let's just just do it real quick while while he's here. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Physical need. Maybe you don't have one but maybe someone you you do, all right, I, (laughs) this is what I want us to do, this uh, is, I'm I'm going to say something, this is what the Lord laid on my heart as I was praying for this service, I, I was praying, Lord, I pray for a corporate anointing over this, over this body, a corporate anointing, what does that mean? like so often in the past we look at the pastor oh he's the anointed one or whatever no 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 i want the power of god to fall on all of us equally because my prayers aren't any more powerful than your prayers and the same there is not a junior holy spirit there is not there is not a a lesser holy spirit the same spirit that goes in in every pastor the same spirit that rose christ from the dead lives in you so if you have a physical need today i want you to call it out don't be ashamed don't cower I want you to call it out. <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew 18, he, this is what he says. This is what he says. He says, I have given you the keys of the kingdom. Therefore, whatever you bind on earth is found in heaven. And whatever you release on earth is loosed in heaven. I want you to call out. If it's epilepsy, we just, I just prayed for the Lord just late, so God's gonna heal your son, Noah. He's gonna walk out of that wheelchair. He is. He's going to start talking. He's going to heal him. Mm. If it's cancer, call it out. And release healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus says in Mark 16, in my name they will cast out demons. In my name they will heal the sick. We have no authority or power apart from Jesus but God's here. And I, I it's not theoretical. It's it's not. God is here. So call it out. Let's just whatever your need is, say in the name of Jesus, I bind. Come on. Step in faith. Come on, in the name of Jesus, say it. Say it. Come on, church. This is this is warfare 101. In the name of Jesus, I bind. You have authority in Christ. You don't have to cower. You don't have to walk away. You don't have to shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we stand firm. We occupy. We have the Spirit of the living God in us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind every spiritual affliction that is coming against your people. Right now, I bind cancer. I bind epilepsy in the name of Jesus. I bind migraines. I bind I bind blood disorders. I bind diabetes right now in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I bind knee problems right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I bind spinal issues, spinal uh, misalignments right now. People have been struggling with neck pain for years. I take authority over it in the mighty name of Jesus. I release the Spirit of the Living God to heal right now. Church, you pray. You pray. Father, say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. You have authority, you have power in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just give Jesus a shout of praise. Let's just just give him praise. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we don't want to go through the motions of church. We don't want to just show up and sing a few songs and listen to a message. We want to encounter the Spirit of the living God. We Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Lord, there are people in this room that are bound because of anxiety and fear. There are people that are bound because of depression. They have not had joy. There are people that need you, and you are the answer to every affliction. You are the answer to every need. Holy Spirit, we don't want to go through the motions. We need you. Oh God, we need you. Father, I pray right now that from this, Lord, I thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for what for the chains that are breaking and that have broke. I thank you for the healing. As your people walk in all the authority and power and, and everything that you've given us, Lord, the, the freedom that we're gonna be able to walk in, Lord, your word says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I thank you for what you've already done just in this time of worship through song. And now, Father, I pray that as we, we transition in time, in a time of worship in your word, as as we revel and and we, 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 we explore your word, I pray that you speak to us. Open every ear to receive. Open every heart to receive in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will anoint me. Lord, your word is fully anointed. Lord, it has a power to change lives. But Lord, I can get in the way and I don't want to get in the way. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. Your church doesn't need another message. We don't need another song. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you show up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. God's good, isn't He? Man, He's a faithful God. As I was, as I was praying for this service, ironically, I find that when I mow, man, God just—it's like me and God have like—I don't know whether He just likes to mow, and. But um, as I was praying for this service, as I was mowing this week, the Lord just really told me to do some things today, and. I want I want, to, I want to tell you that we're entering as C1, as a corporate body. We're in a new season, but we're about to enter a new season within a new season. And what God has done up to this point in the life of this church is nothing compared to what he's about to do. And I I say this to prepare us. Because it's going to be things that might even challenge our understanding. But that's the point of walking with God. Is not one of us. Guess what? How many of you have, have, have everything about God figured out? Okay, I'm going to take my hand down too. Good. Because that's the point. We're all growing. And God's going to do something. And I felt so much that God is going to grow his kingdom and that C1, and I want us to hear this with ears of faith, that C1 is going to be a catalyst for revival. For revival, it's going to be a spark for this. Now, I believe it's going to start, but then it's going to hit every church. Every church that declares the word of the Lord and stands on his truth that God is gonna grow his kingdom in Columbia, Tennessee, and that we're gonna be part of the spark. Because it's not about C1, it's about the kingdom of God. And I, I I felt this so much. And guys, I wanted to, I want, I want to, I want to say this. This is not the C one that I I got voted into. Three years ago, we are not the same church from three years ago. We are a new church. We are. And we got to let go of old things to grab hold of what God is doing. He says, behold, I am doing a new things. I'm making rivers in the wasteland. And, And he's doing a new thing. This is not the same church. We're entering a new season within a new season. And guys, I want us to be on board with what God is going to do. What we have seen thus far is nothing compared to what he is going to do. Nothing. And another thing that he laid on my heart is there's going to be such a corporate anointing. And that's what I want. Uh, Do I want God to anoint me? Absolutely. I want his presence. What is the anointing? It's the presence of God. It is. I want his presence all over my life, but I want the corporate anointing to fall upon all of us. I want his presence to fall upon all of us so when we walk out into our our work, our homes, our family, our community, that we engage them with the love of God that they've never felt or seen before, and that when they encounter the love of God, they are transformed, and there's a yearning to grow closer to Jesus. That's what I feel God is bringing a corporate anointing. It's not going to be on the pulpit. We don't even have a pulpit. It's going to be in the pew. I, I, like, and all you have to do is say, God, I receive it. I want it. Because he wants to. He wants to use you in a mighty way. He wants to use you to grow the kingdom. He wants to use you to lay hands on the sick and the recovered. He wants to use you to to cast out demons. He wants to do that in the church. That's the expectation of ministry that he has for the church. And guess what? You are the church. This building is a building. It's mortar and stone. And and if you're here today and you say, well, (laughs) I haven't got my healing yet. I haven't got my breakthrough yet, I haven't got that yet. You haven't missed it. You have, I I, I feel like I need to say this to, to some people, you have not missed God. He is working in your life at the right time and the right moment, he only works at the right time. He only opens doors at the right time. You have not missed God. Your season is coming. Your breakthrough is upon you. With that said, we're going to be reading a whole chapter in the Bible today. And since I'm from Arkansas, it's going to take a week to read. <laughs> no, um, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3. We're in the middle of a series called Jesus is Greater. Jesus is greater. I need to start writing down jokes because I, I had one this morning and it just slipped my mind. So I'm going to have to revert to a, da- a, a bad dad joke as you guys are turning there. Um, I'm going I'm to tell you a joke real quick. I thoroughly believe that God does not want us to be vegetarians and the reason why is because if he wanted us to be vegetarians, he would have made cabbage and lettuce more fun to shoot at. <laughs> oh, come on. That was bad. I, I know. I know. It, it was rough. It was rough. Oh. I have other jokes. I, I'll i tell you one. And it, it, it's, Okay, this is not a theological joke, okay? I want to say that. This is not... This, but the, this husband, he acquired uh, a ton of wealth. And he, he took and he told his wife, he said, Hey, listen, I want you to take and. And, and he, he put a lot of it into gold and he had it. And he, and he said, Honey, I want you to take and put all my gold above my bed. And and he was he was dying. He he, he was sick and, and 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 so she she did and he goes that way when I ascend into heaven I could grab my gold on the way out in, in the attic and I could I could take it with me to heaven. And so she did and some time passed by and you know he 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 passed and so just out of curiosity she went up in the attic and saw all the gold there she stopped and she goes, "Man, I knew I should have put it in the basement." Oh, come on. That's just awful. Uh, oh. There was another guy that that he told his wife, he said, "Listen, I want to be buried with all my wealth." I want and I want to like he he was a billionaire. He's like, "I want to be buried with all of it." And he had a huge plot of land because he had a lot of stuff. And so she honored his request when they when, when they buried buried him, she wrote a check and put it in the coffin. <laughs> she said, Well, if he can cash it. <laughs> oh, come on, that's bad. That's bad. Focus, focus. Hebrews chapter three. The author of Hebrews is establishing the fact that Jesus is greater. Throughout the book of Hebrews, there is this underlying theme, Jesus is greater. And today he's hitting on something so precious and so sensitive to the Jewish audience that would have been receiving it that this might have ruffled some feathers because he's claiming that Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, Moses, you know, we've heard the stories of Moses. You know, you you cannot be in church and know about Moses. Moses, he was uh, a a prince in Egypt. He, He went into exile for 40 years. The Lord called him with the burning bush. And then he he took and went back to Egypt, led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and the Lord the Lord set them free through a series of plagues and different things. And then then on the way out, the Lord split the Red Sea for them so they can walk across. And it's kind of interesting. There's such a debate. FYI, about where they crossed the Red Sea. Some people say, well, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because the place where they actually crossed the Red Sea was only six inches deep. And I think that's a bigger miracle than what we've seen in cartoons and TV because after the children of Israel went across, the Lord drowned the entire Egyptian army in six inches of water. So, I mean, I think that's a bigger miracle. But he crossed the Red Sea. The Lord drowned the army, and then over the course of the, the 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 Lord gave Moses the law, and and it's God's law, honestly. And he God wrote it into tablets, and and but he gave it to Moses, and the Jews held the Moses to such high standards that they even call it the law of Moses, even though it's really the law of God. And Moses is just. They don't worship him, but they the, the, the Israelites held him to such revere, and so the author of Hebrews is coming in, and I want us to understand the gravitas is what he's saying to a Hebrew, a, a Jewish, a Israelite audience, and he's making this claim that Jesus is greater than Moses. So we can hear that, and we're like, of course he is, but to them, that was quite the claim. And we're going to get into it. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses who served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as a son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. We need to remember this. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness. There, your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said, their hearts will always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest man that's that's a hard pill to swallow so be careful then listen listen be careful then dear brothers and sisters make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving this is this is one of those warnings turning away from the living god you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Come on, someone needs to say, man, come on. If you're that's awesome. Thank you Jesus. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Today, I want to preach to you out of the the topic, two truths and a warning. There's two truths here. That we need to stand on and un- and understand very, very much though, so. and then there is a warning that the author gives us that we need to remember clearly, day in and day out. The first truth, and we're just going to get right into it. The first truth that we need to know is Jesus. Let's throw it up there, or I'll just read it to you. Jesus is greater because he is in charge. Jesus is greater because he is in charge. What did the author of Hebrews say right here? Moses was a servant in the house of God. But God built everything. And that Jesus is in charge of the whole house. So why is Jesus greater because he's in charge? Let's, let's just look at Moses for a moment to understand what it meant to be a servant. So Moses was a leader in... To God's people he he stepped into Israel he demanded of the most powerful man on earth set God's people free and the guy wouldn't listen so plagues came Moses was this this um not idol but like he was this pillar of boldness and and he he stood and he declared things so boldly in faith and but yeah he was still a servant so let, let's look at the the 40 years they get out into the wilderness. They, they're, they're on their way to the promised land. Like God didn't just deliver them out of Egypt to get them out of slavery. God was delivering them from slavery to promise. God, God never just delivers you from something. He delivers you for something. So, if you're struggling today, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're struggling today and you're saying, "God, where's my deliverance?" God is delivering you, and God has delivered you. Maybe you God, God has set you free from things, but and you're like, "What is going on?" God has set you free for something. He set you free for something. Maybe you just need to share that. Maybe you need to share your testimony. But, but God has not just set you free to set you free. It is for freedom. God set us free. He wants you to be free. But he also, he also has something for you. He has promises for you. He has a purpose for you. And God set the Israelites free from slavery to give them a promise. He didn't want them to waste away in the wilderness and die off. He wanted them to walk in a land flowing with milk and honey. What does that really mean? It literally, it literally had milk and honey. There's cattle and, and honey and there's produce. Like the land was plentiful and lush, but at the same time, it was blessing. God wanted to pour out blessing on his people. And he still wants to do that. But what happened? What happened? They grumbled and they complained and they whined. And what did they do? They would say stuff like, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. We don't have any food. So they would go to Moses, and Moses would in turn go to God. And God would in turn supply the needs of his people. This happened time and time again. Moses went to God like they needed water. Moses went to God. God told Moses, strike a rock or or touch a rock. And the rock broke forth water. Uh, We need food. God went to Moses. And what did did God do? God supplied bread from heaven, manna. And and what, what is believed manna had in it It had everything that our human body needs to survive. It had the proper amount of fats, carbs, proteins, um, all the the things that we needed. It was literally bread baked in heaven. And God provided that day in and day out for 40 years. But you know what? A couple months into that, they're like, God, your bakery is a little busted. We're kind of getting sick of this delivered bread to our tent we need food we need we need some meat god so what did the people do they grumbled and complained and went to moses moses turned around and went to god and what did god do he's like well if you're if my bread is not good enough for you i'll send quail he's <laughs> for 40 years every 6 days a week for 40 years On top of that, while they were in the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Like, God cared so much for them, even after he said, you're not going to enter my rest, I'm still going to take care of you, but I had so much more for you. But Moses was just in between the people and God. He was just serving, and Moses did what God wanted him to do most of the time. But that one time, He didn't do it. He took, he's like, what what more do you want from me? I have done, and he kind of took credit, and then he turned around and struck a rock when God told him to touch the rock, and because he disobeyed God, God didn't let Moses into the promised land. How we obey matters. But, so what does this have to do with Jesus being greater? Moses was just part of the house. Moses didn't build anything. Jesus not only built the house of God by calling a man named Abram. Showed up to, in Genesis, he showed up to this man named Abram, who was living with his dad, the ripe old age, 75. Young age, I guess. And called him and he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Leave this. And go where I tell you, and Moses, or and Abram left. We know him as Abraham today, Father Abraham. He only ever had two sons, but he became the father of many nations, and God built this house out of him. God not only built the nation of Israel and other nations out of one man by calling him. That's why a call of God on your life is so important, and we shouldn't ignore it. Who knows what the impact it's going to have on future generations Jesus turns around and he's called the architect, the author, and the engineer of our faith. It depends on the translation you're reading. He's the architect. What does the architect do? He, d- he designs. What does the engineer do? He designs. He developed our faith out of what he did through Abram. He's the author of our faith. We don't have... This, so, this is so amazing, guys. We don't have to go to a person... Anymore as in between to go to God. We can go straight to God because of Jesus. We have a direct relationship with Jesus. He's the architect. The Bible says he's the author and finisher or the architect and finisher of our faith. And as I was writing this and praying about this, the Lord checked me right here. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but Jesus finishes what he starts. And someone needs to grab a hold of this. Because I feel like I feel like someone says, well, God started this and, and, and this word was spoken over me or someone prayed over me or whatever. But I'm telling you right now, God finishes what he started in you. He has not stopped working, he has not forgotten you, and you have not slipped his mind for one moment. God finishes what he starts, and someone needs to grab a hold of that. God is healing you. God is providing for you. God is moving in your life. Right now, I need us to hear this, Uh, right now is a crucial moment for you. And the reason why is because the enemy has been lying to you, and he's been telling you that God never even started it. And he's been planting seeds of doubt that, okay, that was just a moment, and it never even manifested. And this is a crucial moment right now. You need to double down and declare that God finishes what he starts and call Satan for who he is. He is a liar. And he is a father of lies, but God's word is true. It says, he who began a good work will see it through to completion. And right now is a crucial moment. I don't know who this is for, but God is going to finish what he started in your life. He's going to do it. You have not missed God. Jesus is greater because he's in charge. We can go straight to the Father because of Jesus. We don't have to go in between. And and another thing, another thing I I want to hit on. Jesus is greater because, this builds right off of it. it, is the second point. Jesus is greater because he is God's promised land. Moses was leading the people of Israel to a promised land, a literal plot of land, But when we understand that Jesus is everything we need, everything that we need for life is found in Christ. Every promise is fulfilled in Christ with a yes and amen. Jesus is the promised land of God. He's the culmination of everything that God's ever declared in his word. The generation that Moses led out of Egypt never got to enter the land, the gift, the promise that God wanted to give them. And God wanted to give it to them. And Moses didn't either. Why? Why didn't that generation get to? They didn't believe God. Moses led them out of Egypt, but Egypt stayed in their heart. Why is Jesus greater? Moses had no authority or power to change the heart of man. They missed what they were enslaved to. Moses couldn't change a single heart. They would get out of, they would, they would be wandering the desert and, or the wilderness and, and they forgot. This is, this is a tricky part about the enemy of our souls. He will always highlight the good times of your past before Christ, but he will never ever remind you of the chains that you were in. The Israelites would say, Oh, at least, <laughs> at least in Egypt, we had pots of lentil soup. Who likes lentil soup? If you do, just keep your hand down. That's so gross. I mean, like, they remembered like at least in Egypt we had a warm meal. Yeah, yeah but you also had chains around your feet. You also had a, a slave driver at your back beating you. But at least in Egypt we got to eat. They were led by their stomachs and not the fact that God, is, they are walking in the freedom of God. They could go out and hunt if they wanted to. They could do. Satan will always highlight the the good times of sin, the great times of sin. Oh, that euphoria you felt right before you sinned. But he never reminds you of the chains that come with the sin, that bind you, that destroy you and that kill you. (laughs) Moses led the people Israel out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of their heart. But Jesus, he's not leading us to a promised land. He is the promised land. And when he sets you free, you are free. This is such a powerful, beautiful thing. Because not only when you accept Christ as your Lord and savior, he changes your heart. Moses had Noah, why is Jesus greater? He changes the heart of man. He makes you into a new creation. So, those Israelites that were led out of Egypt, in their heart, they were still slaves. But when Jesus comes in, and, and he, the Bible says that, that he, he turns us into a new creation, the old is gone, and the new is come. We are a new creation in Christ. So, so, what does that mean? We are no longer that person. Well, you say, Well, Ryan, Christians sin all the time. They do. I would say, Absolutely, they do. We do. We do sin all the time. But you know the difference? We don't long to sin. The Israelites longed for Egypt. They wanted Egypt. We don't long for it. In a moment of weakness, we might fall into temptation and sin. But what happens after that moment? It makes us hate sin all the more. Does it not? You're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I hate you, Satan. I hate that sin like because it's contrary to us that's what sin does when we sin god is faithful and just to forgive us but at the same time because it's so contrary to the new nature that god gave us we hate it more it almost makes us double down so the very thing that satan wants to use to destroy us god uses us to uses it to, to make us hate it more Does conviction come with sin? Absolutely, because the Holy Spirit will always lead us back to Jesus in love. He convicts us so we turn it and give it back to him because it's never ours to carry. God made him who knew no sin to become sin. That's Jesus. He became sin for us on the cross so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Our identity is the righteousness of God. So when the Christian sins, it In our hearts, we're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I I, I hate that so much. And then it turns us to God. Because God makes all things work together for good. Even sin, God will use to draw us to him because we are a new creation. I'm not saying you should go out of your way to sin. No, that's not how you do it. Don't hear me on that. But I'm saying when we do. And if, if, if you are living in sin and you claim to be a Christian, you believe in Jesus, and you don't feel that in your spirit anymore, we need to pray for you. Because sin should make you hate sin. Sin should make you hate the devil more. Because that's not who you are anymore. Because Jesus is greater, and he is the promised land, and he has set you free from the power of sin in your life. He has given you a new heart. You don't long for that anymore. I've never once met a person who has truly encountered the living God jesus christ and gave their life to him and said you know what i want to go back to my life of drugs never i've never met him you know what i want to go back to a life of prostitution never met him you know what i want to go back i've never met that why because jesus sets free the israelites they wanted to go back to their slavery they wanted to go back to egypt Because Moses had no authority, no power to change a heart. But Jesus, He changes us. He sets us free when we turn to Him. And He gives us new life. He's greater. He's greater. My sister... She has, she was a drug addict for years. She was into Wicca and occultic practices. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And she is such a new creation. She is leading a Bible study and a life group in her church right now. She, it's so mind-blowing. Like, I get to, like, if you met her, you wouldn't even, you would never even know that she was ever on drugs. You would never know it. You would never know that she dabbled in this, in, in, in occult, the occult and witchcraft, because Jesus so radically changed her life. And if you asked her, if you asked her, would you go back, she would say, oh, no. She might even say, heck no. Because Jesus changed me. Because Jesus changes lives. Jesus is greater because he is the promised land. Moses was leading people to a plot of land, but he couldn't change a heart. Jesus changes a heart because he is the promise from God. And the last thing I want to give you today, this is the warning. Trust and believe. There is a call here to trust God and believe God. Trust God and believe God. He says in Hebrews 3.12, Be careful then, brothers. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Do not harden your hearts when you hear his voice. God will never stop speaking to you this side of heaven. But we can can get out of tune with what he's saying where we're not even recognizing it like well how does that happen we quit trusting and believing him how did the Israelites harden their hearts they didn't trust and believe God they rebelled against God in the wilderness how did they rebel they tested God it's not a good idea there's one time the Bible says to test God and it's with your giving so, pay your tithe and offering and see the blessing that God will pour out. That's what he says. But any other time, it's not a good idea to test God. How did they test him? They didn't trust and believe that God is good. The first thing our enemy will do, just FYI, when he wants to plant seeds of doubt in your heart towards God, he'll put this in your mind God isn't. God doesn't want good for you. And he'll put that. And he'll, he'll start. And, and you, you see it in the, in, in the world. You, you have conversations with people that don't know Jesus. And they'll say, well, oh, God. They had this idea that God's up in heaven like an angry old man ready to strike him with, with a lightning bolt. And some people in the church are like that, too. And that's not God. Because God is a good, good father. He loves you, hence why he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we always stop there. But the next verse is just as encouraging. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And in the next verse. It turns around and says, but the world stands condemned because they didn't believe God. They stand condemned already. So God doesn't condemn anyone. We condemn ourselves by not believing God. How did the Israelites harden their heart? They didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. They, they didn't believe that he's good, that he doesn't want good. He delivers them from Egypt. He, he drowns the army that's chasing them. He miraculously feeds them for 40 years. He doesn't even let their clothes and their stuff wear out. And, and, and how did it start? How did all this start? How did the doubt creep in? Fifteen months after they walked out of Egypt, they come up to the banks of the Jordan River, and they're primed. They're ready to go into the promise that God has for them. They're ready to take the land, and Moses, being a good leader, he sends out 12 spies to kind of... Get a survey of the land to kind of find, like, dude, there's millions of them. He wants to know the best route to take the army. He wants to know the best route, where to camp. He wants to know. So he sends out 12 spies to survey the land. And they come back. And this is what they said. They said, oh, man, the the land is flowing with milk and honey. Oh, the pro- it's so true that it's lush. The grapes are so big. But 10 of them said this. They agreed with that part because God already told them that. But 10 of them turned around and said this But we are like grasshoppers in the eyes of the people there, they're giants in the land. And they're more powerful than us. And what's so interesting about this whole narrative is nowhere in the Bible does it say that the people of Canaan, the, the people of the promised land that lived there, believe that about the Israelites. The enemy came in and put a false narrative into the ten spies' mind and told them, well, this is probably how they think about you. They probably think about you guys as just grasshoppers because they're so much bigger than you. And it's like you think about it would take four of you to take one of these giant like he's he starts putting these lies into their heads and they come back and say, "Oh yeah, the land is great, but we can't take it because we're not powerful enough." And they forgot one one crucial thing. God said, "I will give you the land." So two spies said, "Are you joking? We can surely take it because God has given us the land. If God has said it, it will happen. He finishes what he starts. So two spies out of the generation that came out of Israel out of Egypt got to go into the promised land. Not one other person that came out of Egypt got to go into the promised land. God killed off a whole unbelieving generation. That's how it all started. Their unbelief started by believing the wrong report. What we turn our ear to is so important. What we listen to is so important. If we're listening to the news, if we're listening to politicians, if we're listening to people other than the Word of God and standing first on the Word of God, even doctor's reports, give it to the Word of God, filter it through the Word of God. If we're listening to anyone else, (laughs) we might be in danger having an unbelieving heart. And he gives us this warning. Be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Evil and unbelieving goes hand in hand, turning you away from the living God. Well, God's good enough to get us out of slavery, but he's not good enough to get us into this land. That's what they believed. But Joshua and Caleb, the two spies, they said, no, we can surely take the land. And because of that faithful decision, that's where we get this narrative in Hebrews. God hardened their hearts. No, they hardened their hearts, and God said, they will not enter my rest. He wouldn't let them in because they didn't believe God is good. The author hits this home. He understands how serious it is when we hear God and not believe him. It's serious. When we hear the truth of God and we turn away. Guys, you are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised the next minute. I mean, dude, you can have an aneurysm right now. And there's only so many times you will be presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are only so many times you have an opportunity to repent And if you harden your heart, what does repentance mean? It means, in the Old Testament, it means go a new direction. In the New Testament, it means change your mind. It's both. When we repent, we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross in my place for my sin to pay my debt. And Jesus, I believe that you raised on the third day to set me free from the power of sin. And to give me new life. If you believe that. And you've declared that. you confess with your mouth. And and believed in your heart. You're you're a new creation. But you only get so many opportunities this side of heaven. Like as long as you're alive. You can repent. But we don't know when your last breath is going to be. So today. If you're here today. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today's that day. Maybe you've been walking away. Maybe you've been. Not serving him wholeheartedly. Today's that day. I'm not trying to scare anyone into um, a relationship. I'm just laying out the facts. When you hear the word of God, do not harden your heart as the Israelites did. The consequences for us are so much greater than the consequences for the Israelites. They missed out on a plot of land, and God still provided for them. 40 years he provided. We, if we harden our hearts to God, we might miss out on eternal life. We might miss out on a healing in our body. We might miss out on breakthrough and freedom if we harden our hearts. The consequences are so much more severe. I know some of us are still waiting on God we're still waiting on our healing. We're still waiting on our breakthrough. We see others get theirs. Like we, we share a testimony a, a couple months ago of a lady, uh, God removing um, tumors out of her body. And just this morning, like we, we sent out a text message yesterday um, for, for AJ Jones, for his dad. Um, his dad is in his 90s. He had such a high fever. He couldn't get out of bed. It was a triple-digit fever. He was so weak, and we we prayed. He called me, and I prayed with him in the gym. And I sent out, as I was on the leg press, I sent out a text to say, guys, we need to pray for AJ's dad. And he told me this morning, because um, he, he he was I think he was already at his house when I prayed, when, 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 when we prayed for his dad, because people started texting, hey, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And... I guess probably like maybe 45 minutes later, he wasn't running a fever. God broke it. By the time they got to by the time they got to the hospital, God healed him. Because the church prayed. Because the church prayed. And and you might hear that testimony. Say, well, where's mine? Don't stop believing, it's coming. Don't stop believing. God only works at the right time, and he is a healing God. We don't get to dictate how God moves, when he moves, what he wants to say, but God is a healing God. God is a providing God. God is a God of the breakthrough. It is coming. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep moving. The enemy wants you to doubt. He wants to sow seeds of unbelief in your heart to harden your heart against the good Father that we have. But today, I'm telling you, do not harden your heart. Trust and believe and just declare, God, I receive what you want from me. I receive what you want for me. I promise you this, God has not forgotten you. But he only works in his time. And we can't force his hand. I wouldn't want to. Every time I thought God should do something on my timeline and then he didn't, but then he did it on his timeline, I was so glad, so glad that he did it when he did it, not when I wanted him to do it. It would have been too soon, it would have been messed up. Like guys, get this, I prayed and I was engaged to another person. (laughs) For two years, I was in a relationship for five years with a lady all through college, great woman of God. But the Lord said, no, I'm so glad. Because I was like, God, why is the date not working out? I wanted to marry her so much. I'm so glad because God's like, no, I got something better. Keep trusting, keep believing. Out of all my friends, I was the last one to get married. All my, like, all my friends were getting married. I'm like, well, I was engaged longer, just FYI. <laughs> another friend got married. Another friend got married. Another friend got married. I'm like, I, I became the 27 dresses person, but I was just in tuxedos and all their weddings. I'm like, oh, sweet. Here's another wedding. I'm so happy for you. This should have been me. I'm so happy. I, I just keep moving up and down the list of groomsmen. But God, God knew And in his time, he worked it out when we trust and believe. Today, this is what I want to do. This is how I want us to respond. If you need prayer, I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. Nathan's going to be up here. We want to pray with you. But then after we get done praying with needs, we're going to come back together and we're going to declare together something the Lord laid on my heart. We're going to declare a prayer together. But let's all stand as Pastor Andy Leeds. If, if you need a relationship with the Lord, we want to introduce you to the Lord. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. We want to reintroduce you to the Lord. God loves you so much. Maybe you just need prayer. There's something going on in your life that you need prayer over. Respond. Listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. But what I don't want you to do is to listen to fear. What will people think? What if, what, what if I step out and people stare at me? No one's going to be staring at you. They're going to be looking at that big screen behind me. Satan does not want you to step out if he if, if the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go go up for prayer. A, just step. It's a step of faith, and the first step always the hardest. But take the step, and I promise you, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, God will meet with you. So as he leads, let's respond, and then we're going to come back together. Make a declaration.
1: The reign of darkness now has ended In the kingdom of light In the kingdom of light Forever under your dominion you're the king of my life you're the king of my life you reign you reign above it all you reign above it all over the universe and over every heart there is no higher name jesus you reign let's just sing that again you reign above it all, you reign above it all, over the universe, and over every heart, there is no higher name, Jesus, you reign above it all, on the cross, on the cross, the work was fitted. God, you poured out your life just to give us new life. Now from the lips of the forgiven, hear an anthem arise, because Jesus, you're alive. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave Seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise You you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave Seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise Praise you, say.
0: you are enough. We praise you, Jesus. Church, we're about to read something and declare something together. If you guys know me, I'm all about declarations, man. I believe the power of life and death is in the tongue and those those, those who live by it will eat its fruit. So we can stand on the word of God, we can declare the word of God, and we can live in life. But if we're declaring things over our life that speak death, we will experience it. But today, we're going to make a declaration. We're going to make a prayer. We're going to pray. And, and the Lord, as I was writing this, I was like, Lord, what, what do you want us to pray? And this is what, you, you can throw it up there. I want us to read it for a second. Because guys, I'm sorry if the punctuation's all wrong. Once again, I grew up in Arkansas. But, I don't want you to pray this if you don't have the faith to fulfill this and I say that to protect you because whenever we make a declaration to God that is that that can be a scary thing that's why the Bible says let your yes be yes and your no be no don't make promises to God unless you want him to cash them Don't, don't ask God to do something in your life unless you want to live it out I always heard you you know, don't ever pray for patience, you know, type of thing, because God, God will, God will give you opportunities to grow in patience. But today, after you read this, you're like, no, no, no I, I want, I want what that says. I want what that says. I want us to declare it together. And we're going to pray this together. And I believe that it's going to spark something We're not just going through the motions of things. We're not just saying things to say them. When we pray in the name of Jesus, things change. Strongholds fall, hearts are renewed. So let's read it together. Father, make in me a faith-filled, believing heart, one that gives you a yes without hesitation. One that longs to please you and trust you. Father, make my heart pliable in your hands. So I love what you love and hate what you hate. Give me a heart that declares we can take the land because you, God, have given it to us. Then give me faith to do it. I ask all this in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. And Let's say it together. Amen. Amen. Get ready, church. God's on you. God's with you. God's going before you. He has called you. He has called you to change this world. You carry the presence of God with you and the gospel of peace. Go use it. Go declare it. Father, I pray for your church that you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace. Lord, use us this week. Open doors to minister to people who are far from you and let them become near to you. I pray right now that you will anoint each of us to walk out what you've called us to in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Hey guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's service. If God spoke to you in any way or you would like prayer, you can comment below or connect with us on our website at c1.church. If you have never accepted Jesus into your life, we would love to do that. All you need to do is believe that He is the Son of God, that He rose and died again, and ask Him to forgive your sins. If you have done that, please make sure to let us know. We would love to celebrate you. And if you are not in the area, get you connected to a church that would grow you in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you next week.